0: You're listening to Recommended Daily Dose with Doctors Clinton Coleman and Serge Sugger, The not-so-average health show with a unique spin on what's making headlines in healthcare.
1: In celebration of Alex Trebek, you know, he's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I grew up our, with him, yeah. Our prayers go out to him. We are going to be podcasting game show style. So are you, are you ready? I'm
0: ready, Vanna. Let's yeah, do right. it. Well, I could be Vanna.
1: So, let's meet our first and only contestant. He is a 40-something-year-old physician from Richard, New Jersey. Lower 40s. He's fond of extreme hand-washing, tennis, and spinning.
0: Uh spinning. And even Peloton every now and then, yeah. I am Dr. Seward Sugger, Thank you for the introduction. And, uh... I guess you're going to play the uh, role of Alex Trebek.
1: Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so welcome to Recommended Daily Dose. I am Dr. Clinton Coleman. So the game show is called Is Your Mama Right or Wrong? Okay? <laughs> so this is important. So you have to answer the phrase accordingly. All right? So we're going to take on some, some health myths. All right, So right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do ready? it, baby. All yeah, right. So the first one is um, can cats kill sleeping babies by stealing their breath? What do you think? You know, I don't. I don't know if this is a fair question. Remember to answer appropriately. I
0: don't know if this is a fair question because um, I'm really much more of a dog guy, but I'm going to say...
1: Use your medical knowledge. What do you think? Hmm.
0: Stealing their breath. Is that right? You know, I think cats uh, will probably kill me in my sleep. I've always been afraid of cats. I don't know if you know this, but... Egyptian, Yeah. Well, even when I'm awake, she'll kill me. But, you know, Egyptians used to worship cats. I don't know if you know that, but... As far as them stealing their breath, I don't – I would say false. Most That's likely.
1: not the answer. What's,
0: oh, we have to say the form of a question? Yes. All right. So what is – No. no? Oh. You
1: weren't paying attention. Is your mama right or wrong? Ah.
0: Okay. Oh, I got it. Oh, I see. So So
1: your mama is wrong. My
0: mama, I would say, is wrong.
1: Okay. So no, cats do not require infant, infant air supply. Uh, some people suggest that they're attracted to the, the smell of the – the baby's breath, the milk on the baby's breath, right? Um, but you know, most cats are lactose intolerant anyway. So no, it's not what, true.
0: Hold on now, because Mama's, you know, pretty smart. Lactose intolerant, so right. So
1: after they they've fed off their, from their mother, right. um, They become lactose intolerant. They don't.
0: So cats don't drink milk uh, much. No. Really. You know, growing up cats. You're right. It's so usually the kittens. Yeah. All right, Mama was wrong. All coming right.
1: from a dog guy. All right, so this is this is your favorite topic. I think um, you'll go blind.
0: Okay, I'm not sure if I ever had a conversation if, with my mama. If so you I, I mean, play I, I, with something, yes. Right. All right. So, you know, again, I'm not going to say mama right or wrong for obvious reasons, but I'm going to say— I mean, you, We can say true or false. I'm going to for, for this one, I'm going to say my physician hat, I'm going to have to say false. You know, I think this is a normal part of sexual development. And
1: obviously you're not blind currently, right?
0: Uh, well, I do wear glasses. Okay, good. Yeah. So, what is there any research to, to support
1: Yeah, so this? it's been thoroughly researched, right? And it's actually part of normal sexual development. So, um, you know,
0: any medical benefits uh, that we can tell our listeners?
1: Uh, it can lower your risk of prostate cancer, but I'm not sure if that's a dose dependent thing or, you know, how do they figure that one out? But uh, right, you know, and also, you know, if if it were true, there'd be a lot of blind, grumpy, sterile people with hairy palms and acne, <laughs> right?
0: So I think we can be sure that that's that is
1: not. True. All right. So I got one that my mom used to always complain about, about cracking your knuckles and causing arthritis. Oh, no.
0: Same, same. Yeah. What do you think? You know, it sounds harsh um, uh, when you people crack knuckles. And I won't, won't lie to you. I actually um, am very adverse to the sound. You know, I'm going to say possibly true.
1: You're wrong. Right? Oh. So there's never been any study linking cracking knuckles um, with, with osteoarthritis, which is the disease. Um, the actual sound, so it's not bone-on-bone bone rubbing together. Right. Um, your synovial fluid, which is between your, um, Joints. your bones and the cartilage, um, has gas in it. So the sound is the gas popping when you right. rub your bones together. So. You know,
0: I was actually joking. I actually knew that it was false. And I'll add in something so I don't look ridiculous. This is why people with knee pain... Uh, oh God! Uh, with knee pain, oftentimes we'll say they can fuel the storm coming on because is that true? Is that true? Well, you know there is some truth that because you're talking about gas, so the pressure differences will cause
1: uh,
0: change in uh, the pressure in the synovial fluid. That's but, amazing. Yeah. See, there's actually
1: I'm uh, not all looks. Wow! All right, all right. So what about this? Eating chocolate makes acne worse.
0: Oh boy, this is I'm having flashbacks to my teenage
1: years. Um, so when you had your afro, did you have acne too?
0: So when I had the Afro, the uh, Did you wear braces? The Indian-American Afro with no braces but coke rim glasses, really thick, I would say mama told me that uh, chocolate could cause acne, absolutely.
1: Um, was she right or wrong? She was wrong. Oh, Your no. mama was wrong. So you know this because acne is a bacteria, right? So it's, what is it, acne? Acne vul- vulgaris. Right. That's so, right. So um, acne comes from the bacteria getting caught in pores and there's oil and hair follicles, and that can cause your whiteheads or blackheads. Yeah, I used to have
0: a T-zone, you know, a very oily uh, nose and forehead, and they call it my T-zone. You? Yeah, it was a T-zone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, But the most common triggers are it's hormonal. So or, hence puberty. Right, puberty, right. Um, environmental pollutants, uh, stress, uh, cosmetics. Which, so
0: your facial makeup, which I know you like, you're very fond of, um, do you sometimes have to change? My foundation? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. So um, – But some foods can actually worsen outbreaks, and those are most commonly uh, foods that are high in glucose or sugar and some dairy products. So there may be some truth to this. Also, Uh, this may be a maybe then. Is that right? Right. So
0: Maybe it's broken down with the milk chocolate, which is not as good for you, as opposed to the very dark chocolate with the high uh, cocoa content, which is actually – shown to be actually relatively
1: good for you right so dark chocolate has less sugar than your regular milk chocolate it's actually very
0: bitter right which is why some people don't like it but that's the one that can actually lower your blood pressure perhaps be a little heart healthy etc
1: right so if you have acne and you know you like chocolate just choose dark chocolate
0: now you know my nickname in college was brown sugar chocolate brown sugar i suspect yours was dark chocolate is that
1: i was milk chocolate
0: milk chocolate all right brown sugar all right all, all right. right. So just so we, we uh, you know, we, uh, we 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 say it, eighty um, percent cocoa. So we want to eat the bitter chocolate you can find in the grocery store, the one that's not so tasty.
1: If you're worried about your acne. Okay. Right. So, all right. So we we tackled sleeping babies and cats, uh, not going blind and knuckle cracking and chocolate. So um let's keep going this one i think is uh i've heard this a lot so you lose most of your body heat through your head so when it's cold outside mom tells you to put on a hat always what, what do you think
0: i will tell you uh i heard this all throughout my childhood um and as a runner uh i oftentimes will wear a hat and gloves because i don't ever get cold through my chest or my legs but i subscribe to the idea that the heat's leaving through my head especially now that uh my crown is more prominent than it was when I was younger.
1: So I'm going to say true. So it's partially true, right? Oh. So um, there have been ex- experiments, um, military experiments in the 1950s where they actually had volunteers dress um, from their shoulders down and stay bareheaded, right? So and they measured the heat coming from their heads.
0: Who would actually volunteer for this?
1: Any idea? Uh, if you're in the military, you probably – no choice. In the 1950s, you then probably you definitely- do a lot of things that you didn't want to do. Got but- it. Um, So at rest, they found that 7 to 10% of heat loss was from the head. Um, And after they exerted, they found that the one, the body core temperature increases, and then more blood flows to the brain. So naturally, um, you will lose more uh, heat through your head, so up to 50%.
0: So you're basically shunting blood uh, away from the periphery uh, to the central core and is up to the brain as well, huh? Right.
1: But eventually, as everything else, as your body acclimates itself and. Right. Your blood vessels on the rest of your skin dilate, uh, the blood flow throughout the body becomes even, so um, heat loss then returns to about seven percent. So you know, when you first go outside and you're running, yes, but then over time, it goes back to normal. So,
0: So I think I would say what happens to me normally when I run? I put a hat on, I get sweaty, I throw the hat away, and then I never see it again so. This is what you're saying in the beginning. So you wear a hat with your shirt off and spandex? And uh, run or? Yeah, you know, spandex is a strong word, but, I, you know, Lululemon. Lululemon for yeah. men. Yeah, so you, yes, how did yes. you
1: guess? All right. So the take-home message of that is <laughs> <laughs> cover your head in, in cold weather. All right. All right. So And this, the next one is right up your alley as the contagious disease expert that you are. Uh, Should you starve a fever and feed a cold? This is
0: funny. My mom would always tell me about an uncle that whenever he had a cold, would say you got to feed a cold and then would change it back from feeding a cold or versus feeding a fever depending on – because he liked to eat. So he was all over the place. So he was all over the place, but he was always eating and saying you should starve the other one. So – Did he starve you? uh, No, they're not starving me. But this is uh, an uncle uh, in the back in the homeland. So – but I used to hear this and – As many immigrant parents as you know. So this is universal? This is universal because any immigrant parents, as you know, want you to eat continuously. Uh, So certainly when you're sick, uh, and I probably do this to my child too, I just – I think I make him eat as much as possible. So starve a fever and feed a cold. I I would say – I'm in the middle. I would feed both. Uh, okay. I, but this is the parent talking, not the
1: physician in me. So, so that this thinking comes from medieval times. So, right? Um, it's a great um,
0: place to go, by the way, if you've never been medieval times. Yeah, they have the horse jousting, and do people still go to you,
1: medie- medieval times?
0: I went to my thirtieth birthday there, man. Yeah, no, you did. I, I did, I did. I should, I'm embarrassed to say it. Let's just you are. You should be embarrassed. We, we should erase this. But okay, fine. Yes, continue.
1: Uh, all right. So originally, they thought that good mental and physical health depended on these four body fluids. So the the good humors, right? So do you remember these, the the black bile, yellow bile? There was blood blood and and phlegm. phlegm.
0: I I knew that there was an imbalance of these humors. I think this is going back actually to maybe even Greek times, but uh – it was thought imbalance of one of these humors is what caused disease.
1: Right, right. So they used to treat fevers with bleeding, patient, and fasting. So
0: bloodletting, I think, right? That right. So
1: that's things? the starving of the fever part of it. Oh. So for a cold, they thought the, the excess mucus that you had was associated with uh, decreased mood and metabolism. So the, the treatment would be to feed the cold, which would also help lift the spirits. So... It's partially true, so you, don't, you shouldn't starve a fever, but you should both, you know, hydrate yourself and feed a cold as well. Um, you know, when you're sick, like you know, I mean, I'm not telling you anything different. Uh, your body needs nutrients and adequate calories to fight off infection. So, um, so
0: you, you really want to feed the immune system, right? right? So we know that people, uh, when they don't feel well, they don't want to eat, which is why sometimes I gently remind patients that, hey, look, try your best to eat something. No one says you need to eat a six-course steak dinner. Uh, but you're right. You have to maintain your energy levels. Your body is essentially at war with the either a bacteria, virus, etc. The temperature goes up in part to uh, uh, to battle this uh, foreign invader. Uh, your metabolism is in overdrive, and you have to have the nutrients to to support this battle.
1: What about people who try to sweat out a fever? It's like going to a sauna. Or no, like when I'm sick, I'll get in the bed and wrap myself in blankets and just sweat.
0: Well, we, we feel better when you sweat when the quote-unquote fever breaks, but usually people get in uh, because they're cold. And then they take uh, a, let's say, ibuprofen, so Motrin, they take Tylenol, and they do feel better when they sweat, but that's just because the fever is now lifted. So, I mean, it's that temperature. People don't realize that elevation of temperature is actually the body's way of trying to destroy these invaders. So why should we
1: take, uh, so why should we take Tylenol or Motrin? Well, if it? we do feel better, right, even if it's temporary. I know, but the point is the fever is probably doing something good for you.
0: To a point, exactly. But again, we know that too good of anything is is bad. So if it goes too high, especially in kids, you worry about febrile seizures, other things. So, you know, if someone has a temperature of 99.9, 100.2, 100.4, I mean, really, in the ID world, anything above 100 points, anything under 100.6 is not even a fever, right? We don't treat. So you really have to take that into gauge, you know, gauge it into what is the evolutionary advantage of having a fever. It really is to try to
1: destroy these bacteria and viruses. The body's smart. You know what I hate when patients will say, um, "My normal temperature." My normal temperature. Like, no, you're a human being. Your normal temperature is the same as everyone else. We have variation. It's uh, not a fever from for me. patient
0: to patient. Every patient themselves will have variation in the morning and evening versus cortisol. But yeah. you're right. I hear it all the
1: time. 98.9 is a fever for me.
0: And I want antibiotics, and I want this, and I want that. So that's 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 another podcast. But you're right.
1: All right, I'm upset now. Um, so let's what, move to something uh, lighter because you're getting upset and you're all sweating. Right. Yeah. Um, I think of my kids when I think of this one. Eating oh. sugar makes kids hyper.
0: All right. I, I mean, I don't have to think about it. Uh, this is the bane of my existence uh, with kid and sugar and, and uh, you know, observational. Uh, I would say mama was right. Too much sugar is bad.
1: When you go to a birthday party, right? So you have the pizza and the cake and the kids are jumping off how the How come walls. they can't
0: have a salad with a candle on it? I'm not sure. Or some know. baked carrots. Who came up with that, right? I, I would. I mean, My God, you know, my wife and I would talk at length about how many more birthday parties can you go to with sugar, and then there's sugar at school, and there's a after-birthday party, then there's a birthday party with friends from one place, friends from another. It's too much.
1: But does it make kids hyper is the question.
0: Well, I'm going to say true. You're false.
1: I'm not doing well today. Mm. I'm not doing well. Why is
0: that? Why is that?
1: So, you know, sugars are pure energy, right? Pure calories, right? But that's not how our body processes sugar. Right. So, you know, it's di- it's digested, it's in the bloodstream, um, and then theoretically, you you have access to that energy, but that's not how it is. So um, when sugar is metabolized, it's, it's pretty slow, right? So um, it's- per- I thought
0: sugar is like a simple carbohydrate. You get a sugar rush, instant burst of energy, and then you get the, the sugar low, no? No. no that's so a common so thing. it goes into
1: your bloodstream, goes into muscles and organs for immediate use. So, right. Um, if you don't have, if you have a deficit, right? Right. Um, so excess sugars are actually stored in liver and muscles uh, as glycogen. Um, anything over storage capacity uh, is turned into fat. So, um, you know, it doesn't relate to hyperactivity because it's, you know, because we're thinking that you eat, you know, some Jolly Ranchers and then five minutes later your kid, mouth, kid, it doesn't work that fast. It doesn't work that fast. fast. Fine.
0: But we should mention that, hey, what does it lead to? I mean, you know, there's th- we're not saying telling parents to go have their kids
1: uh, – Eat sugary snacks all day, right? No, so you don't want you know bad teeth and obesity. So, um, but hyperactivity is not on the list. But uh, you know, too much sugar is not good.
0: So I believe the science, but I know when I look at my own kid, um,
1: I may have to do my own research study on that. Yeah, I still don't believe it. Um, what about this caffeine stunt your growth?
0: I'm a two to three tea and coffee drinker a day. I don't think my growth was stunted. So I would say it depends. I think if you're still growing. Um, so I think there could have been some evidence that it affects uh, bones and could stunt growth. But I think once those uh, bone end plates seal, so after, you know, after, let's say, 17, 18, 19, you read full mature status, I don't think it's going to cause any problems.
1: That's good my try. Point. Good try. But no. Oh, again? Right. I'm wrong. So there's been no studies uh, directing, uh, showing direct cause between caffeine intake and, and growth. So, I think the thinking is that, especially when you're young, you have a lot of human growth hormone around, HGH. Right. And that helps promote development. Um, but that's mostly occurs during your, your sleeping.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. So is this why it's so important for kids
1: to sleep? the problem Right. So time. caffeine is a, a stimulant, so you probably sleep less. Right. Right. So, so sleep
0: less, and then human growth hormone is secreted less or less e- efficaciously.
1: Yeah. So yeah. it's unlikely that caffeine will stunt your growth.
0: So it's more of an indirect association.
1: Right, So, and we know that caffeinated beverages are increased in popularity, right? And people are actually growing taller. So the average male is about 1.5 inches from 1960 to now, and the female is about one inch. So
0: So what is that based on? Nutrition? Is it genetic? uh, It's just saying that caffeine is not making us shorter. So it's not caffeine. All right. right. So we don't know what the cause of the increased growth, but we do know that—
1: That's probably nutrition. All right.
0: So, I tell you what, my kids always ask me for a latte, and I oftentimes will give him some milk with a little, little tiny bit of coffee just so he thinks he's having a latte. But maybe he's right. Maybe my 10 year old's right. It's no big deal, Dad, as I hear everything from him.
1: But you also don't want them bouncing off the walls, too, right? So, that's, that's back to the sugar part of it. So, that's an, a good reason not to give kids caffeine.
0: Listen, my, my night starts once the kid goes to sleep. Then I can finally, uh, and then the wife goes to sleep. Then I can finally <laughs> sit on the sofa and watch some sports. So, I want him to go to sleep. So, we'll hold the coffee for now. All right. So uh,
1: the cold gives you a cold. Oh, listen. Like the cold outside gives you a right. cold, right? Uh, so you can catch pneumonia. That's what my grandmother used to say. You, if you go outside without your cold, you catch ammonia.
0: A pneumonia or you No, not
1: pneumonia. Ammonia. Ammonia.
0: Well, you know, as someone very famously said, you know, you ain't got time for that, right? You ain't got right. time to catch bronchitis. Uh, so. I will tell you, uh, I heard this growing up. This is a wife's tale, man's tale, mom's tale, dad's tale, whatever. But as an ID doc, I'm going to have to say
1: false. You are correct. Finally, finally. So, you know, obviously there are people living in cold climates, right? Like Antarctica and the Arctic, um, they're not as likely to catch a. I I mean, they're not more likely to catch a cold right. than people living in warmer weather. Um, so, you know, that has to do with the immune system and whether cold weather may uh, affect that. But it actually can stimulate your immune system instead of?
0: You know, I think what I'll add my little two cents, or maybe one cent, is that um, when it's cold outside, why do people, why do we get the flu and other things? Well, it's really because when it's cold, people are more likely to be congregated indoors and less likely oh, to be outdoors. So okay. see, this is how these viruses and bacteria, especially viruses, uh, like to spread from person to person. So that's why we see these peaks more in the wintertime with RSV and influenza as opposed to the summertime. So one Um, uh, people are more uh, likely to be inside, more likely to be in close contact with another. And there are some viruses, uh, especially the rhinovirus that hangs out in the nose that perhaps likes cold temperatures better than warm temperatures, which is why uh, when your grandma told you perhaps to eat some chicken soup or stick a towel over your head and sit over a hot bucket of water, um, there actually is some truth to that. That can actually, um, uh, in some cases, help clear up some of the viruses that may be hanging out in the nose. But... You're right, overall, the cold does not give you a cold.
1: So let's keep moving on here. All right, so sitting too close to the TV is bad for your eyes.
0: You know, I feel like my whole childhood was a lie, but I'm going to say that I heard this all the time as well.
1: I still use this with my kids.
0: And I still as well. So I'm going to say there's got to be some truth. It's false.
1: Oh, my God. So this started when GE, in the 1960s, they put out a warning that some of their TVs were uh, emitting harmful x-rays, and they told their, they recommended, you know, your children to keep a safe distance. So, But we don't get x-rays from TVs anymore, right? So X- TVs are mostly LCD or plasma, and they have no x-rays. So you don't have
0: one of those old-fashioned TVs in your basement
1: with the with the x-rays and the big wooden box? I do, the big, big box TV. The big box TV, right. Um, but you can strain your eyes if you stare at a screen for too long, but you can also strain your eyes as staring at a book, so it has nothing to do with the TV so per So one se. is not
0: more than the other. So you're saying at night when I'm, again – Embarrassed to say, staring at a screen, uh, which I shouldn't, for many reasons, it disrupts your sleep. Holding it too close to my eyes its the same as holding a book too close to my eyes.
1: Yeah, you're still straining your eyes, but, but that's there's nothing not, special about a TV or a computer. But it will affect your sleep. like you
0: Well, I'll tell you what, you're smarter than you look. Let's keep
1: going. All right, so this one is right up your alley as well. Leaving cuts open for faster healing?
0: Hmm. You know, this, is, this pendulum has gone back and forth. Sometimes they say wounds should be dry. Sometimes they say wounds should be wet. I'm going to have to say only because I do happen, uh, as you may know, uh, to see patients at the Holy Name Medical Center, Wound Care Center, um, that this is false.
1: Yes, you're right. So um, as you know, and I'm sure you'll, you can tell us, but covering your wounds is probably good, right? So having a moist wound is so good for healing?
0: Moist, but not wet. So okay. if, if it's dry, they actually done studies that shown that wet wounds uh, heal better. I actually talked to my medical student about that earlier today. But, again, it has to be able to breathe. If it becomes too wet or we call macerated, the wounds will not heal. And actually, it can get secondarily infected.
1: So scabs aren't good?
0: No, scabs are good when you have an initial cut. But, you know, if you have dead tissue, and it really depends. This is perhaps beyond the scope of our conversation today. Should you pick
1: your scab or just let it fall off? I'm Uh, a a scab picker.
0: You know, I always say don't pick your nose and don't pick your scabs. That's that's kind of the mantra I live by. Okay.
1: Um, Last but not least, shaving makes hair grow back faster oh man so now i hope this would be true
0: you know i feel like if it's perhaps back hair okay it may be true so you shave your back uh no comment but if it's your head i'm pretty sure it's false that's kind of way i'm gonna go with it
1: i'm starting to get this receding hairline just on one side and i would love to just shave just shave that one little side yeah let it grow back faster have that billy d williams soul glow perhaps I don't think people know who Billy D. Williams is anymore, though.
0: I wonder if people will get my soul glow reference. Probably not. Okay. Either way, uh, but it, maybe that's why we it's have seen hairlines. It's sort of, it, it, sort of
1: true, but it's an optical illusion, right? So when your hair grows back, it grows back at a weird angle, so it makes it more visible. But actually, it's not thicker, and there's not more hair. So, but um, you did a good job. I think you got maybe one or two right out of ten or something like that. But
0: well, you know, it's possible I may have just got them wrong on purpose for the purpose of the show, but. Unclear. And uh, we'll let our audience subscribe and then uh, let our audience decide. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe and hear more episodes on holyname.org org slash recommended daily dose. Find us on iTunes and Spotify.
1: In the meantime, I'm your host, Dr. Seward Sugger. And I'm Dr. Clinton Coleman. We'll catch you next time.
0: Check out recent episodes and learn more about these two modern medicine men and their podcast at holyname.org slash recommended daily dose.